0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is Wednesday, God, (laughs) and it's cold. It's the 17th. Of February 2021, down here in the Texas Panhandle, where temperatures reached minus 19 degrees Fahrenheit just a couple of days ago. It's supposed to get up to 24 degrees today. Oh, thank God. Because yesterday, the high was like, I don't know, I think I saw eight degrees. And before that, the high was two. Two degrees. Been burning wood in the, in the fireplace, like freaking mad, but hopefully this polar mass goes away soon and we can all get back to life. Although I can't, I, it doesn't escape me the possibility that maybe God is mad at North America. (laughs) Maybe we've been that colossally stupid. Uh, for so many decades that God just is putting the hammer down because this is just, at this point, it's kind of untenable, right? So this is episode 367 of Bitcoin. And yes, I have not been around Monday or yesterday. uh, Between the cold, kids uh, not going to school because, and and this is the first time in my life that I've seen this, okay? It wasn't because it was a snow day. It was because it was a rolling blackout day that ERCOT and the powers that be, as far as the Texas grid is concerned, apparently put the word out to all of the independent school district, well, all the school districts in in Texas, uh, or at least in my neck of the woods, I don't know about Austin, but in my neck of the woods, they said, we don't want you to open any of the schools and we want you to shut down all the power. So the kids were, you know, the kids are are not at school. They're not at school again today because of the same shit. Although today is actually a snow day because we got a whole bunch of snow on on top of cold weather. So that's what's been going on. That's why I haven't been coming to you live with the news, but we are today. We're going to start out with a whole batch of stupid out of India. This is Coindesk's uh, Amkar Godbull. He's writing this one uh, probably today. Yep, today, February the 17th. India plans twin taxes on exchanges and traders before it passes its crypto bill. That says a report. Oh, this is so horrible, man. India is reportedly planning a short-term boost to its coffers by ensuring that the nation's cryptocurrency space is taxed before bringing in a ban on such assets. They're going to tax it before they ban it. If that's not criminal behavior, I don't know what is. What, What it does telegraph to me, though, is the following. India is a lot more broke than we think that they are, and they're a lot more criminal than we ever suspected. I mean, you'd think that India would have a shit ton of money, but... I don't think they do. I think they may be uh, driving themselves back into third world status, honestly, because of shit like this. Anyway, the government is likely to impose a personal income tax uh, and the goods and services tax on gains from trading cryptocurrencies and from platform fees, respectively, according to a Wednesday report from Business Standard. Uh, Quote, Bitcoin will be categorized as financial services attracting 18 percent gst that's the good and services tax on fee commissions collected by exchanges under this segment plus income tax to be paid on the earnings from this a senior finance ministry official uh, familiar with the matter said they added that an official circular will be released soon tm according to the newspaper sources authorities came, aim to collect both taxes For the fiscal year April 2020 and March 2021, the news, if confirmed, is the first clarification on how the cryptocurrency industry and its users will be taxed, albeit probably briefly. The government is also planning to introduce a cryptocurrency bill in the ongoing session of Parliament seeking a ban on private cryptocurrencies as well as the formal start of development of a digital rupee to be issued by the central bank. The bill's contents are still unknown, and the government has yet to define the term, quote, private cryptocurrencies, end quote. India's Minister of State for Finance, Anarg Thakur, has said that the impending bill will fill policy gaps. Yeah, and put your ass into poverty, guaranteed. While the government has not specifically declared how crypto gains should be taxed, Neishel Shetty, CEO of Binance-owned WazirX, said crypto earnings are taxable like any other income and should be declared in the income tax returns. Shetty added that his exchange has been voluntarily paying GST on trading fees collected from customers. Taxation does not necessarily imply legality, according to another source. quote, let it be clear that just because income tax or GST has been charged on the transaction, it does not by itself make the transaction legitimate. So you're going to tax legitimately tax illegitimate transactions that's that's your 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 answer as a government. Just god the 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 sheer ethical failure here is beyond compare. Taxability and legality of transactions are independent of each other, a senior official at the finance ministry recently told the Hindu Business Line. In today's report, the anonymous officials said cryptocurrencies, while unregulated, have not yet been banned and taxation rules apply to all kinds of services and commodities. You guys can't get your story straight. Is it legitimate? Is it illegitimate? Is it regulated? Is it unregulated? Doesn't really matter. You can tax it. So how come you're not taxing illegal drug transactions? Oh, I'm that's that's right. Because illegal drug transactions happen in back alleys. That's what it looks like to not be regulated. Okay. If I've said it before, if you look like you can be regulated, you will be regulated. The only way that you can get past that is to look like you cannot be regulated. Okay. These guys are going to stop at nothing to extract their pound of flesh, just like Shylock in Merchant of Venice. If you haven't read Merchant of Venice from Shakespeare, I highly recommend it. I believe it's actually one of his very best plays. Let's continue on now. Uh, What's this one? Bitcoin will persist in Nigeria, but the ban changes things. So we have yet another round of stupidity on, on the way here, Aiki Atukaibu. I, I'm just butchering that. I'm sorry, dude. I don't mean to. It's just it, such a foreign name for me. This is out of Bitcoin Magazine, by the way. Uh, you have probably heard the news about the Central Bank of Nigeria imposing a ban on financial services for cryptocurrency exchange operators as well as the incongruent excuses for its actions. You may have also heard of several connected controversies, like how it's linked to the end SARS protest aid for which was partly funded in Bitcoin. What you probably don't know, though, is how this is related to the economic shock from the COVID-19 pandemic, the huge arbitrage gap in the Naira, prices across the Nigerian currency market, the decline in Nigeria's inflow remittances, and the emotional tension of individuals whose funds are sadly trapped inside of all of this. Over the course of this piece, we will be looking at the economic state of Nigeria prior to the cryptocurrency exchange ban and how it has influenced rapid cryptocurrency adoption, the involvement of the Nigerian Senate, and what will most likely ensue next. So according to Statista, Nigeria was ranked as the third highest trader of Bitcoin by volume on online exchanges in the year 2020 which obviously speaks of huge daily volume transfers from local banks to exchanges and vice versa. Unfortunately, the ban, which came as a sudden reminder of what the CBN has said was a prohibition instituted in 2017, has affected countless individuals and businesses who rely on cryptocurrency as well as exchanges with established Nigerian bank accounts. Unlike the Indian cryptocurrency ban, which we just read about, which came with a week's notice, the reminder of the Nigerian cryptocurrency restriction was circulated like a sudden knockout punch to exchange operators. Exchanges were hurt and their customers were too. My close friends and acquaintances were all affected. Personally, I find, it, I find that it reinforced the fact that the only true financial control you can ha- really have is the type that you get from an uncompromised private key. You may have some control with a custodial wallet, but definitely not from a bank account. Beyond the speculative benefits and freedoms of the cryptocurrency market, a major reason why cryptocurrencies have been adopted so readily in Nigeria is because they offer the most efficient remittance window for Nigerians looking to transfer funds in and out of the country. Even remitting funds within Africa comes at a very high cost from Nigeria, assuming you are using an official remittance service. As a technical writer who works for international clients and customers, I tend to use cryptocurrencies for every payment that I make or receive, except in cases where it's not convenient for the client or customer. I will be explaining why shortly. Another practical example of individuals benefiting from the use of cryptocurrency in Nigeria can be found in Chinese importers who have have to send and receive funds to and from China into the African country. However, the outflow restrictions of $10,000 at a 20% remittance cost These importers tend to resort to using cryptocurrency exchanges, which help them make payments to a seller's Chinese bank account. For context, according to data from the CBN, in 2015, diaspora remittances generated $21.2 billion for the country, outpacing crude oil by $1.6 billion. Oh, God. Also, according to a World Bank report on inflow remittances by nation, the Nigerian inflow remittance has been on the steady rise for 12 straight years. It only started declining in 2018. In fact, according to Nyrolytics, a Nigerian market analysis website, uh, diaspora remittances declined by 97.3% between January 2020 and September of 2020. Coincidentally... Uh, cryptocurrency volumes in the countries were at their highest during this period. A major reason for this decline in remittances can be found in the huge arbitrage between Nigeria's official and unofficial internal exchange rates for uh, currency exchanges. At the time of this writing, there is a huge price gap of about 20% to 30% between these rates. This gap is between the unofficial or official and unofficial ends of the Nigerian currency market. In other words, if you had to do a currency exchange of Naira to USD through a bank, you are likely to get your USD exchange to Naira at a 30% markdown. Oh, <clears throat> oh man, that ooh, it caught me in the throat right there. But if you used a black market exchange you would get it at near the true foreign exchange rate. Unfortunately, gaining access to this end of the market is risky, difficult, and also illegal. But fortunately, with cryptocurrency exchanges, access to better exchange rates is fast, sleek, and require almost no middlemen. Besides maybe the exchange providing escrow and you receiving the funds in your bank account, the exchange rates from personal experience fits the reality, especially with peer-to-peer exchanges. Also, another motivation for this rise in cryptocurrency volume has been the rapid devaluation of the Naira in the Forex market. The Naira-USD pair has lost over 189% in just five years. Uh, Also is as in every other part of the world. Investors and savers in Nigeria are slowly beginning to see the promise that the cryptocurrency market offers for long-term investing. In defending its 2017 ban on the financial facilitation of cryptocurrency operations, CBN argued that cryptocurrencies are, quote, largely speculative, anonymous, and untraceable, and increasingly being used for money laundering, terrorism financing, and other criminal activities. Yes, I'm... I've heard about so much terrorism in in Nigeria. It's clearly all being funded for whatever, God, idiots. But before cryptocurrencies came along, fraud was perpetrated using bank accounts. All of the catfishing scams I have heard of in Nigeria were conducted using traditional remittance services like Western Union and so on. All of the criminal activities involving foreign bank accounts that I have heard of in Nigeria were also conducted using traditional remittances. Interestingly, every cryptocurrency exchange is mandated by the 2017 CBN Directive to be KYC and AML compliant so that they can operate bank accounts. This shrinks the possibility of fraud through this medium to the barest of minimums. Despite this, the CBN is still proceeding with a ban. In the five days following the ban reminder... Binance, which is a major cryptocurrency exchange operating in Nigeria, added NGN, or the Naira, as a fiat asset in its P2P market section. Also, several P2P exchanges, which are still in operation in the country, are now becoming prominent. (laughs) Who would have guessed? As this demonstrates, the CBN restriction has only turned those interested in exchanging cryptocurrencies towards P2P trades, which, by the way, were the status quo before now as well. With this it is very very likely that cryptocurrency volume in the country will pick up however the activity may be largely untraceable good good job cbn excellent work there pal some days after the restriction was recirculated the nigerian senate called on the governor of the central bank and the director general of nigerian securities and exchange commission to offer a brief on the ban and the ongoing status of cryptocurrencies in the country however At the time of this writing, the date of that hearing is still undecided. What is clear, however, is that some senators are in favor of cryptocurrency regulations. Here are some thoughts of senators in favor of regulation. And there's just a bunch of tweets, which I'm not going to read because their regulations are going to fall flat. It's just going to go P2P. It's just going to go to BISC or HODL-HODL or whatever. And these people are going to conduct business as they've always conducted business, basically at the fringes of a legacy system that does not fucking care about them. That's not... Ike writing that, that's me. That's my statement. Also, the former deputy governor of the Nigerian Central Bank, Kingsley Magalahu, shared his thoughts in a recent interview on why regulation for cryptocurrencies in the country is necessary. Other groups like the Blockchain Nigerian User Group, uh, the largest blockchain community in the country, exchange operators, and several other individual entities are working towards securing an ease on the ban. We will likely see a hearing of blockchain stakeholders in the Senate, but information on that is still unclear. It is certain that eventually affected operators will be getting a grace period to withdraw their funds. Also, the Nigerian Central Bank will eventually come to terms with how uncontrollable cryptocurrency trades really are once P2P trading normalizes. However, what may be most affected is the growth of the blockchain innovation that we were beginning to see in the country before the ban was recirculated. Okay, so blockchain... <clears throat> Innovation is a bullshit catchphrase for uh, steal all your money on a bullshit yield farming yam token or something like that. It doesn't matter. Only Bitcoin matters. Okay, only Bitcoin matters. However, <clears throat> the Nigerian uh, government and their central bank are doing no favors to their population at all. Because generally speaking, the population of Nigeria is is not all that well off unless you're a go- unless you're in the government. If you're in the government, you're doing fine. And God forbid you have any of that power stripped away from you, because then you will not be doing quite so fine. Now, India, <clears throat> um, let's see. This is actually an opinion piece by Obi Nwosu from BTC Times. So it's not. It's got a little bit of news about what we talked about with India, but Obi's you know Obi's always got some really good thoughts, uh, and I I like including uh, his his writings when we do these when i can now he wrote this one for btc times on february the 16th but he says uh, china is a sleeping giant said napoleon when she awakes she will astol- astonish the world but what of india napoleon wasn't the only one to discount this great nation including some of today's most seasoned world watchers who eyeball china while ignoring the similarly meteoric rise of its southern neighbor India is not just the planet's biggest democracy, (laughs) it plays a full part in the global economy with, among others, a thriving tech sector and a space program. What's more, according to the UN, it has lifted an astonishing 273 million people out of poverty in the last 10 years. Yeah, you're about to plunge them right back in, pal. Yet, in spite of this proud record, India is plowing ahead with a complete ban on investments in cryptocurrencies. Clearly, political plurality, technological leadership, and a commitment to fighting poverty does not equate to common sense about crypto. Dude, just use Bitcoin. Just look at the efforts to squash Bitcoin in the USA and other democracies. So how do I take this news? With disappointment, frustration, anger? None of the above. As I've argued repeatedly in this column, and as you know too, Bitcoin is bigger than any single country. Its widespread appeal is based on commonsensical understanding of the failures of fiat and the benefits Bitcoin brings. I know a thing or two about India. In a previous life and long before Bitcoin, I lived and worked in New Delhi. I saw it firsthand how innovative, fast-moving, and technically astute everyday Indians are. India's government had until last week, attempted, uh, ba- last week's attempted ban on Bitcoin made huge efforts to support its citizens' enterprising ambitions. You could call it the Indian dream. The proposal by India's government seems to be modeled on China's ban on Bitcoin, but goes even further since it outlaws personal custody. Will this kill the Indian dream? History suggests not. In 1933, the U.S. government banned gold because they saw hoarding as a major contribution to the depression. Astonishingly, this prohibition remained in place for over 40 years and was only repealed by President Ford in 1974. Of course, this ban was almost impossible to enforce, and those who kept hold of their gold found themselves richer and better able to weather the depression and subsequent storms. Some people will no doubt sell their Bitcoin in line with their government's edict, but many others, those who have held on for dear life the Bitcoin Roller coaster, but ever upward rise will continue to hold, especially during a period which many expect to be a bullish one for the orange coin. I predict that India's ban will be even less successful than Roosevelt's and will provide a compelling case. Uh, study highlighting the empowerment that Bitcoin brings to the underprivileged and those who have most to lose from inflation. Depressingly, one of the un- unfortunate effects of the ban will be to impede India's phenomenally successful moves to alleviate poverty. The Satoshi really hasn't dropped for the world's governments. They are used to money that they control, which explains why they think they can ban Bitcoin with a click of the fingers. In reality, India, or any other country for that matter, can do. Can no more ban Bitcoin than they can outlaw the moon. At the turn of the millennium, people wondered which country would replace the United States as the global hegemon. The smart money was, and for many still is, on China, but that's wrong. The, this focus on nation-states is very 19th century way of thinking about the world and contributed to many of the problems of the 20th. The, cr- the current century isn't owned by any one country. Instead, it belongs to anyone smart enough to invest in Bitcoin, inoculate themselves from inflation, and take control of their financial future. I have a simple message to governments tempted to take the illiberal, authoritarian, and frankly self-defeating step of trying to ban Bitcoin. It's here. It's the next frontier. Get used to it. So yeah, that's he's echoing a lot of the thoughts that that I think. Although I don't think India is, I don't think India is in as great of a position as Obi thinks it is. And I I I think that because they're. Well, they banned the 200 rupee note. It was either 200 or 500 and forced everybody to KYC themselves at a bank to turn those things in. So they're clearly, they were clearly then, and that was like four, four years ago, three or four. So clearly, even back then, they were very concerned about something. And now they're going to tax before they ban Bitcoin. So they're even I, I don't know, man. I think they're they're trying to fill a hole. I, I really do. I, I don't think India is in is in the state that we all think that it's in. That's that's all I'm saying. So fast bitcoins gifting customers fifty percent of on-chain transaction fees for using the lightning network. We kind of call that a loss leader. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Hold on. I'm I'm woefully low on coffee, so I'm trying to drink some without you know gurgling at you. But you know, Peter Chihuahua, let's let's hear about this from Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, Fast Bitcoins, which allows users to buy Bitcoin directly via their bank accounts or at physical locations, quickly through the Lightning Network, will be rewarding its users with 50% of the transaction fees that would usually be charged on chain. Quote. With this new incentive, Fast Bitcoins aims to proactively drive customer adoption of the Lightning Network, which is the payments layer that sits on top of the main Bitcoin blockchain and make Bitcoin usable for people in real life, according to an announcement shared with Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, the Lightning Network allows near instant Bitcoin payments with tiny fees by sharing the cost savings. Fast Bitcoins is encouraging users to trial the Lightning Network and discover how it can be as easy and convenient to use as fiat currency, end quote. On-chain Bitcoin transactions include fees to incentivize miners to validate the blocks in which that transaction data is contained, but the Lightning Network creates channels between individuals on a second layer, allowing them to send BTC payments back and forth and only settle on the base layer once they close these channels. As such, Lightning transactions can be verified much quicker than on-chain transactions and transaction fees are only required upon channel closures. While institutional and retail investors continue to divert their treasury assets to BTC as a store of value, the Lightning Network is a compelling solution for micropayments and rapid transactions. This promotion from Fast Bitcoins is meant to remind or inform users of that potential. Quote, People all over the world are learning that Bitcoin enables them to keep their wealth safe from inflation. But what is less well-known is that it can actually be used in small amounts too. We want to help people experience Bitcoin's full potential. And what better way to do this than by incentivizing them to take the leap and see how the Lightning Network transforms Bitcoin from a store of value into something even more powerful. So, good for you fast Bitcoins. That's that's really, that's really good news. Um, you know, I used to think, <clears throat> I got a... Uh, part owner of a couple of rental properties. And I keep playing with the idea of giving the uh, tenants uh, 10% off of their uh, uh, rent if they pay at least half of their rent in Bitcoin. And I I may still push for that now that I've got the rest of the family members on board with investing the uh, uh, a lot of the cash that we're, we've been sitting on into Bitcoin. And by the way, have already made a 51% gain. Since January, when I pulled the trigger on that, um, it, may be, it may be an easier sell, but we shall see. a second Bitcoin ETF gets approved in Canada. Evolve funds or evolve funds groups ETF now has the chair. Liam Frost is writing this one for decrypt.co. The Ontario Securities Commission approved. The application for a Bitcoin exchange traded fund filed by evolve funds group, according to an announcement, quote, the cryptocurrency market becomes more integrated with the traditional financial markets day by day evolve has developed a true first, giving investors an easy-to-understand product that is available through their existing brokers and advisors that give ownership of Bitcoin. And it actually says that. Sui Sheng, CEO of crypto indices platform CF Benchmarks, which the ETF will be using, told Decrypt. Exchange-traded funds are a type of security that comprise various baskets of assets. In the case of a Bitcoin ETF, the underlying asset is the cryptocurrency itself. This way, crypto ETFs follow institutional investors' to, to expo- get exposure to digital assets without actually buying or holding them. Just guys, just an aside, you can buy Bitcoin. You don't have to buy an ETF. You can actually buy the underlying asset. Be the smart person. Don't buy the ETF. Don't go over to you know Grayscale and buy their hor- horrendously mispriced Bitcoin. Just buy the damn asset yourself and you can do that using Cash App. You can use Swan Bitcoin, which is those are the two that I normally use. You can also use River Financial, which I have used in the past and I don't have any problems with them, but I don't need three different companies, you know, I don't need three different companies, you know, doing this shit for me. So anyway, uh, an ETF usually tracks or follows the price of an asset or a bulk of them traded as a single traditional instrument. Since they can be freely traded on traditional talk, uh, stock markets, ETF holders can indirectly invest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So I'm not going to go into the rest of this because it basically just keeps telling me what it is that I already know and what I'm advising you against. It's good that there's an ETF, okay? Because the ETF is what allows uh, like a, like your 401, whoever's managing, like if you're got a, if you're working for a company and you've got a retirement account with that company it's like probably a 401k right something like that at least in the united states i don't know anything about canada or how they they do it but those funds are heavily invested in different things stocks treasury bonds various equities you know that like possibly even gold or silver or or you know minor stocks or something like that But an ETF now allows those people, those types of people that are handling hundreds of billions of dollars in cash at the behest of some retirement account, that way they can give the retirement account holders exposure to Bitcoin without that particular holder knowing that they have exposure to Bitcoin or not. But still. That's the, that's the good news. The the bad news is when an individual decides that they want to buy part of an ETF for Bitcoin, don't do that. You just go buy the asset and then you learn how to hold that asset with your private keys. Do that first and you will be happy. I I promise. Okay. This one is yet more ETF approval type thing. Um but this is not an approval. This is NYDIG or NIDIG. Uh, Files for Bitcoin ATF approval. So here we go. Bitcoin-focused financial services firm uh, NIDIG filed for approval to offer a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission today. Let's see, when is this? Uh, By the way, this is uh, Christian Carolis is writing this for uh, Bitcoin Magazine sometime yesterday. And then they go into a description of what an ETF is. All right. So honestly, you don't really need to know any more than that. Although NYDIG is a subsidiary of Stone Ridge Asset Management, which has more than $10 billion of assets under management, and announced it owned $115 million worth of Bitcoin investment late last year. I don't know exactly what what NYDIG's investment looks like, but $115 million in Bitcoin, it ain't nothing to sneeze at, okay? So now we have these guys. Now, they haven't gotten approval. They've just filed for approval. So this will be like the seventh uh, United States uh, approval <clears throat> uh, uh, filing that I've seen since the Winklevoss started uh, trying to do this way back in 20, I think it was 2015 was when the the Winklevi first started talking about a Bitcoin ETF. And they've subsequently, I think they've had three, at least two, possibly three ETFs not approved or they've withdrawn them. So I'm pretty sure this is number seven for the United States as far as trying to get approval for uh, an ETF fund. Now to note, the United States has yet to approve any Bitcoin ETF as far as I know. Canada now has two so canada is beating our ass into a hole in the ground and 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 they literally have one one hand tied behind their back so i don't know what we're doing down here in the united states but the shit needs to end and we we'll, while they end it we'll run the numbers Alright, cmbc.com forward slash markets has uh, read pretty much across the board as far as the major indices are concerned. By the way, this is late enough in the day that the markets are open. So we're not talking about futures. We're talking about what's going on right now. S&P 500 is down 0.59 of a percent. NASDAQ is down one and a half percent. The Dow Jones Industrials are down 0.14. The FTSE is down a half. The Nikkei is down a half. The Hang Seng is up over a point, as is the Shanghai, which is up almost a point and a half. Volatility has increased somewhat. The VIX uh, registered a 7% gain in volatility uh, since opening. Bonds, well, we're not going to talk about bonds, but futures and commodities here. Oil is trading up 0.15%. So West Texas Intermediate, the last time that I did, I did the show on Friday was my last show. We were looking at a price of like, I want to say 55 bucks. We are now at $60 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. Natural gas is down a third, but it's still hanging out at over $3.10 for a thousand cubic feet of that. Gold dude just getting pummeled, bro. 1.56% to the downside brings an ounce of gold in at $1,770. Oh, somebody check on Peter Schiff and also check on Peter Schiff because he was talking about $30 gold. Yeah, that ain't shit ain't going to happen, at least not today. It's down a full percent and over. It's coming in at $27 an ounce for that stuff. Uh, Let's see, is there anything else that we need to talk about? Nope, that's going to do it. Let's talk about real money. Bitcoin at $51,140.92. Honestly, I should probably characterize these episodes by the price, just so I know what, because I don't even remember what the price was on Friday. It was sure as shit wasn't $51,141. Good God almighty. Uh, Where's our low? Our low is going to be over at... Yeah, our low is going to be over at HitBTC, all of $50,968. Wow. 325,000 transactions transpired in the last 24 hours, giving 13,500 transactions uh, on average per hour. 486,000 BTC were sent in that 24-hour period, which means that about 20,000 BTC are being sent on average every hour, with 1.5 BTC being the average transaction value, 0.022 BTC being the median, and that's about 1,122 bucks. Block times are kinda high, 10 minutes, 26 seconds. We have 0.93 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 128 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Holy shit. Why, oh, why would you do this? I don't know, but we've had a 10% drop in hash rate, bringing us all the way back down to 135 exahashes per second. I don't know what these freaking people are thinking because they didn't, they don't, oh my God, don't tell me they would, uh never mind i'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you it's not worth it uh let's see yeah the Litecoin oh God, two hundred and twenty eight dollars people Dogecoin is still coming in at five point two cents five point two cents people it it shouldn't be anywhere close to that. It should be like a hundred x below that it should be like point. 3 or 0.03 cents a doge. I'm I don't know what this just is just bizarre. Okay, just bizarre. Hell, even Ethereum Classic is back up to $15. Jeez. Stop doing that. Just buy Bitcoin. God, guys, please. 68,500 transactions waiting to clear and it's going to take 86 blocks to do it. We have a market cap of 951 billion dollars. And we have captured eight and a quarter percent of gold's market cap. Let's say that again, eight and a quarter percent of gold's market cap has now been captured by Bitcoin. You can now buy 28 and a half ounces of gold for one Bitcoin. And there are 18,631,140.97 BTC in circulation. And I've got a let's see, Clark Moody's got a price of fifty one thousand and forty one dollars, okay? so that's that's his price. We have one thousand eighty four and a half BTC in the Lightning network, and that means we have five or sorry, fifty five point four million dollars worth of capacity being run over eight thousand nine hundred and ninety one nodes with thirty eight thousand ninety five channels percentage of Tor capacity continues to move upwards. 53.4% of the Lightning Network is now run over Tor nodes, of which there are 3,472. That's going to do it for Vitals. All right. Let's continue the morning roundup with one of the most disappointing and depressing items that I've ever seen. Taleb says Bitcoin is not supposed to be volatile, and here's why he's wrong. Oh, Taleb, he let me down. He lit us all down. I, I was, I was caught flat-footed with. How easily he just turned into a spineless bootlicking status after all of the books that he wrote on sovereignty and like, you know, anti fragility, he just crumbled into a lump of shit. I've never lost that much respect for somebody that fast ever before. Even Roger Ver took a lot longer for me to lose complete respect for, but Taleb, I'm glad I didn't buy any of his books. Although actually I did. i've I've got one on on audio tape, but I don't think i'm I don't think I'm going to finish it whatever. Yeah, guy's an idiot. BTC Times Lena Siech writing for uh, writing for on February the fifteenth. while institutional endorsements of Bitcoin have spiked in recent weeks following Elon Musk's coming out as a supporter of Bitcoin and Tesla's one point five billion dollars purchase, one man has chosen to venture into the opposite and stupid direction. Earlier this week, scholar and statistician Nassim Nicholas Taleb announced on Twitter that he had been getting rid of his Bitcoin for a couple of reasons, but one in particular, he found that it was too volatile. Oh, poor baby. His reasoning came as a bit of a, of a surprise to many, seeing as Bitcoin's volatility likely benefited Taleb in the last few months. This year alone, it has recorded a price gain of almost 70%. Yet that is exactly the issue, according to Taleb, who claimed that a currency is never supposed to be more volatile than what you buy or sell with it. You can't price goods in BTC. In that regard, he called Bitcoin a failure, at least for now, that had been taken over by COVID-denying sociopaths with the sophistication of amoebas. So if you've seen a lot of amoeba talk on Twitter, that's where it's coming from. If we disregard the rather questionable assumption that Bitcoin is now mainly used by, quote, idiots, it still leaves Taleb's conviction that Bitcoin is far too volatile. More specifically, he believes Bitcoin is not supposed to be volatile at higher prices, as he elaborated in a later tweet. Higher prices relative to what, Taleb? Relative to what? the entire m1 money supply, the m2, m3, like outs, like a sovereign outstanding debt, i what what? <laughs> anyway, she says that's categorical categorically wrong and anybody who acquires bitcoin thinking it will soon stop being volatile is likely to be in for a surprise Taleb is right in saying that Bitcoin is volatile, but expecting anything else at this point in time would be highly unrealistic and borderline delusional. Bitcoin is subject to constant price fluctuation as it is traded on exchanges around the world around the clock. When people are willing to pay more for it, the price goes up, and when they're willing to pay less, it goes down. With Bitcoin, these fluctuations have historically shown to be more extreme than for other markets, and that's due to a few reasons. If the GameStop saga has taught us anything, it's that free markets don't exist when it comes to stock trading. Robinhood's infamous restriction of GameStop buy orders last month, citing, quote, market volatility, highlighted the control financial intermediaries exert over the stock market, essentially nipping natural price discovery in the bud or ass, as the case may be. Even during everyday stock exchange operations, trading halts are far more uncommon. Most exchanges have so-called circuit breakers in place that are triggered under certain conditions. High volatility is one such condition, as exchanges will often stop trading for several minutes when a stock experiences unusual price fluctuations. None of these measures are in place with Bitcoin, which trades 24-7 without volatility-based trading halts. While it's approaching the $1 trillion mark in big steps, Bitcoin's market cap, when compared to the world's financial assets, is really small. It's currently around 7.5% of the size of gold's market cap, a factor increasingly considered by institutional Bitcoin proponents when it comes to anticipating Bitcoin's future price potential. Bitcoin is by far the most liquid cryptocurrency, but its liquidity is way lower than that of many traditional assets. Large purchases have the potential to move the market, especially when placed on exchanges with lower liquidity. As Bitcoin's market cap expands at the hands of growing numbers of long-term investors, this volatility will subside to an extent. Most of the aforementioned points are directly related to the fact that Bitcoin is a nascent asset class. It grew from literally zero to $800 billion in market cap over the span of 12 years organically, without centralized direction or artificial intervention. That in itself is a major achievement, which has yet to be replicated. Such developments don't happen in a linear fashion, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Whereas assets and currencies whose volatility is kept artificially low, easily causing anxiety among their holders in the event of any larger deviation, volatility is known to be part of Bitcoin and large short term spikes, and drops don't surprise anyone who's been in the game for some time. In fact, a popular view comes from no other than Taleb himself, who discussed the topic of volatility in his book, Anti-Fragile, in 2012. Quote, When a currency never varies, a slight, very slight move makes people uh, believe that the world is ending. Injecting some confusion stabilizes the system. Indeed, confusing people a little bit is beneficial. It is good for you and good for them. For an application of the point in daily life, imagine someone extremely punctual and predictable who comes home exactly at six o'clock every day for 15 years. You can use his arrival to set your watch. The fellow will cause his family anxiety if he is barely a few minutes late. Someone with a slightly more volatile, hence unpredictable schedule would say half an hour variation won't do so, end quote. God, and I can't believe, it. I don't know, that's what, one of the reasons why I'm so disappointed in this guy. Bitcoin will probably always somewhat be somewhat volatile. It will fluctuate more than fiat currencies, which are uh, centrally controlled and uncontrollably inflated. Eventually, there will be a large number of long-term hodlers of individuals and institutions who don't buy in because of a headline or out of FOMO, but because of a conscious decision to store value in Bitcoin. We are watching the beginnings of this trend unfold in real time as large investors increasingly liken Bitcoin to gold and describe it as a hedge against inflation. MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor famously plans to hold the firm's 70,000 Bitcoin for 100 years. This will lower Bitcoin's volatility over time. It just doesn't happen over the course of 12 years. In his latest tweet on the topic, a response to Kraken's head of growth Dan held, Taleb compared Bitcoin's fluctuations to those of gold. As he pointed out, gold has exhibited much lower volatility than Bitcoin over the last decade, a well-known fact, and also little surprising for a millennia-old asset. It appears, however, as though Taleb might have forgotten why this is of little relevance in the first place, as Bitcoin addresses an issue that gold, no matter how stable in comparison, cannot solve. In his foreword, to Saifeddin Amis's Bitcoin standard, Taleb put it this way, quote, Bitcoin is a currency without a government, but one may ask, didn't we have gold, silver, and other metals? Another class of currencies without a government? Not quite. Banks control the custodian game and governments control banks, or rather bankers and government officials are, to be polite tight together. That's called fascism. Um, so sorry, that was me. So Bitcoin has a huge advantage over gold in transactions. Clearance does not require a specific custodian and no government can control what code you have in your head. End quote. At the end of the day, Bitcoin's volatility is a byproduct of its evolution into a dominant asset class. Bitcoin is about far more than its daily, weekly, or even yearly fluctuations. It's about a fundamental shift away from debt-based economy to a savings-based economy. It's about the liberation of money from the total control of a small number of self-serving, centralized rulers. That's a real polite way of putting it. I was going to use criminals, but whatever. It's about the individual's ability to reclaim their financial freedom, not by getting wealthy, but by making use of their right not to have their savings inflated away and their money used against them as a surveillance tool. And yet again, it was Taleb himself who worded it almost perfectly, quote, Bitcoin's mere existence is an insurance policy that will remind governments that the last object establishment could control, namely the currency, is no longer their monopoly. This gives us, the crowd, an insurance policy against an Orwellian future, end quote, and end Taleb's (laughs) dabbling in Bitcoin, I guess. I don't know what to tell him except have fun staying poor, asshole. Of course he's not poor he can make money in different ways but you know he's going to have to make more and more money as, as the money that he holds you know inflates away at an ever increasing rate because it's not just inflation it's the it's the, the rise of it's yeah the rise of inflation rating right it's like okay you deal with 1% but then 1% compounds every year you can, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And at one point or another, you can't stem the flow and you, you won't be able to physically make enough money to, uh, keep, uh, keep pace with inflation. You got to go somewhere else. And I'm, I'm still, I'm never really going to understand why Taleb did this. I, I don't understand his movements here because it doesn't fit with the logic that he's been laying down for decades. It's like all of a sudden he turns into a statist, a bootlicking, COVID-fearing, spineless glob of jelly on the floor, and all of us are looking at it, going, "Dude, we we held you in a fair fairly high regard," and I believe this started something. I, I believe that the very first inflection point that we saw of Taleb's demise was when uh, he said he said something. Seifedine, who uh, whose book Bitcoin Standard. Taleb wrote the foreword or the, the introduction for. Okay. They got into a fight to the point that Saifedean told Taleb to go fuck straight off. I mean, he, he told him that he was like, dude, no. And, and then all of a sudden we, that's when we, you know, all of us remembered that holy shit Taleb was the guy that wrote the introduction to that book. That's, that's, you know, like Saifedean is sort of like a canary in a coal mine. Uh, He's quick to react, but when he reacts, he seems to have real good reason to. Now we know why. And now we know why. Is MicroStrategy becoming a de facto Bitcoin ETF? Experts disagree. Liam Frost is going to tell us about the parameters here in Decrypt.co. He's writing this today. Business intelligence firm MicroStrategy, they should just rename it to MacroStrategy, has bought over 71,000 Bitcoin for a total of $1.14 billion over the last few months. The value of its crypto investment has surged to more than $3.5 billion amid Bitcoin's ongoing price rally, but it looks like that's still not enough for the firm. As Decrypt reported yesterday, the company has plans to sell yet another $600 million worth of convertible senior notes to buy even more Bitcoin. Its Bitcoin holdings are worth around 40% of the firm's market cap, which has shot up accordingly with the value of the Bitcoin holdings but the firm has become some kind of pseudo-Bitcoin ETF in the absence of one of the U.S.'s enabling investors to get exposure to Bitcoin without owning it, or does the company have some greater goal in mind? Speaking to Decrypt, Meltem Demir's chief strategy officer at digital asset investment firm CoinShares suggested that MicroStrategy's plan may be to buy as much Bitcoin as possible and plug the gaping Bitcoin ETF hole in this space. Quote, I think it indicates... They don't have a plan other than becoming a de facto Bitcoin ETF, so maybe bullish for Bitcoin, but I think bearish for MicroStrategy, who are now effectively a holding company uh, with Bitcoin they buy using cheap leverage, Demir's told Decrypt. Quote, it works on the way up, but I wonder if it's really what we should be advocating for, Demir's added, noting, quote, as a former corporate treasurer, all things in balance. Our research suggests 4% is an optimal Bitcoin allocation to start, end quote. ETFs are a type of security. Yeah, I know we get that. Everybody describes what the hell an ETF is. So far, several U.S. companies, such as Eck, Valkyrie Digital Assets, have filed applications to launch Bitcoin ETFs, but the SEC has turned down all of them. Meanwhile, Canada has now approved it second. The price of MicroStrategy's shares have skyrocketed alongside the company's Bitcoin investments in mid-November. The firm's stock was trading at around $200 per share. By early February, it was up to 1270 which is a 500% increase in three months. Since MicroStrategy's share price appears to be tied to the rising price of Bitcoin, it has enabled investors to buy MicroStrategy shares in order to get exposure to Bitcoin without owning the actual asset itself. Alternatively, they could buy shares of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, but then they might have to deal with this price premium and lockup periods. Antonio Vasquez, head of communications at Hermes Network, acknowledged that MicroStrategy's massive investment in Bitcoin may indeed be perceived as the company's gradual shift towards becoming the equivalent of a Bitcoin ETF, but he argued that there might be a larger goal. Quote, There are some in crypto who who argue that MicroStrategy's plan is to keep offering convertible senior notes, becoming the de facto Bitcoin ETF. Quote, While I don't disagree with the theory, my bet is that MicroStrategy's real target is to get the Bitcoin market capitalization to $1 trillion, he told Decrypt. He added, quote, this could be the tipping point for crypto's acceptance as a solid asset class, as well as the beginning of the biggest parabolic movement the space has ever seen. Others agreed that MicroStrategy might have a very different reason for buying Bitcoin and that it has a greater purpose as well. Quote, given the market capitalization of Bitcoin, it is quite reasonable assumption. Considering the stock market situation around MicroStrategy, its shares have grown a lot on the back of Bitcoin's price growth. Constantine Adnizizimov, executive director of crypto exchanges, CEX.io, told Decrypt. He's He added, quote, So there's an obvious connection between the two, but we do not think becoming a Bitcoin ETF would be the company's plan. We think that they are more future focused than that, quote. The opinion was also echoed or was echoed by uh, Ben Gagnon, Director of Mining Operations at BitFarms, who argued that public corporations' first and foremost priority is to do what's in the best interest of their shareholders in terms of capital deployment. Quote, MicroStrategy and others are buying Bitcoin because it is simply the best use of capital in a time that, ah, sorry, in a time when most industries are in contraction and central banks around the world are simultaneously inflating all currencies at record rates. Gagnon told Decrypt, quote, it isn't about converting their company into an ETF. It's about protecting the shareholders against inflation, devaluing the company's assets, he summarized. Okay, so there you go. There's that one. And I agree. However, it should be noted that in true uh, Michael Saylor form, he announced $600 million. By the time it was actually all said and done, it became $900 million. So $900 million in fresh, brand new convertible notes at, get this, 0% interest. He's He's offering to hold people's money for no interest because he's guaranteeing these people that their money that they put in right now will lose no value whatsoever. It's brilliant. It's a speculative attack on the dollar. And all the while, here's Michael like saying, but it's not, good. it's not a currency. It's for savings. It's advanced savings technology. It shouldn't be spent and yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. I think he's playing a much deeper game of 4D chess right here, people, but... Continuing on, the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, confirms that they're looking into Bitcoin. I believe they use the term dabbling, but I'm not sure. The world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, is looking into Bitcoin, and it was confirmed by the managing director of the company, Rick Reeder, today. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, uh, was this? He confirmed that the company is looking into Bitcoin. Qu- yeah. Quote, we've started to dabble a bit into it. One does not just dabble in Bitcoin, guys. In the interview with CNBC's Squawkbox, Box, Ryder did say that diverting one port, one's portfolio in the current economic reality does make sense. He also said the BlackRock is currently sitting on a lot more cash than they have historically had because traditional hedges don't work anymore. Quote, we're holding a lot more cash than we've historically held because interest rates don't work as a hedge and diversifying into other assets makes some sense. So holding some portion of what you hold in cash and things like crypto seems to make some sense to me uh, as crypto potato reported in january blackrock filed two prospectus documents with the united states uh, sec these were on half uh, on behalf of blackrock funds five and blackrock global allocation fund incorporated in both documents the text reads that the company may engage in trading cash settle bitcoin futures contracts it uh, <clears throat> looks to be a quote here. Certain funds may engage in futures contracts based on Bitcoin. No, no, no. That's just to that's just cover your ass statement. So we don't need to read that. But that was George Jorviev from Crypto Potato. Uh, so BlackRock beginning to dabble. And as we've said, one does not simply dabble in Bitcoin. Now, talk about getting bombed out of your tree. German cannabis company bets on Bitcoin instead of the euro. Symbiotic SE becomes the first cannabis-focused public company in Germany to use Bitcoin as a hedge against the devaluing Euro. So they're taking a page out of Michael Saylor's book here. This is Andrew Asmakov writing for Decrypt.co. Munich-based Symbiotic SE has announced it's gonna hedge against the devaluation using Bitcoin. This makes it the first publicly traded company in Germany with a cannabis sector or within the cannabis sector. In a statement, the company said the decision wasn't based on price speculation, but rather a plan to hedge against uh, uh, declining fiat currencies. Quote, Bitcoin is the exact antithesis of traditional currencies. Its volume is limited to 21 million units. This limit is fixed and inviolable, which the cryptocurrency's decentralized organization and the blockchain's tamper-proof nature in turn guarantees, says Lars Mueller, the CEO. (coughs) Citing concerns about a massive devaluation of fiat money, the company says it has more long-term confidence in Bitcoin than in fiat. Hard currencies like the euro or the United States dollar, it says, are not only centralized, but also influenced by politicians who can expand the money supply immeasurably. According to Mueller... The cannabis industry in particular has very po- had very positive experiences with using Bitcoin for payments, with several symbiotic subsidiaries already accepting the cryptocurrency. Symbiotic stock is traded on Dusseldorf Stock Exchange as well as Deutsche Borse's Exetra electronic trading platform and saw an uptick following the announcement, reaching a three-week high of 27 euros or 32.5 dollars on Tuesday before the market closed. With this Bitcoin investment, Symbiotic SE follows is following the example of MicroStrategy and other big public companies that made a bet on the flagship crypto in recent months. Stop using that word. However, it's not the first publicly traded company in Germany that's put money into Bitcoin. Bitcoin Group SE, which is also traded on Extra, or however you pronounce it, it's X-E-T-R-A, uh, invested in bitcoin in the past and increased its crypto holdings to 100 million euros or 120.6 million dollars in January of 2021. Earlier this month, London-based asset manager Roofer Investments announced that the company made more than 750 million from its last year's bitcoin investment, having sold some of its gains. It kept uh, it, it kept holding on to the remaining 700 million dollars which is likely above 1 billion dollars now due to Bitcoin's recent price surge. So they'll be. it'll be said that these people were stoned out of their tree and that's why they made such a stupid move. And of course, the only stupid people that will be exposed are the people saying that that was a stupid move. A survey finds 5% of corporate CFOs are stupid because they are announcing their intention to plan to buy Bitcoin in, in 2021. Joshua Mapperson writing this for Cointelegraph, A small scale study of financial executives found that 5% of companies intend to invest in Bitcoin as a corporate asset this year, with a further 11% stating that they could do so by 2024. It's going to be way too freaking late by then, guys. The survey conducted, well, actually, you know what? I'm wrong. It's never too late to buy Bitcoin, like ever. So wait till 2074. Uh, Go ahead. You go ahead. The survey conducted by Gartner comes on the back of news that Tesla invested 8% of its cash reserve into Bitcoin. MicroStrategy, who has also invested large sums of the token, announced $600 million more of convertible bond offering on Tuesday with the intent of using the proceeds to acquire additional Bitcoin. The 77 respondents, including 50 CFOs, among other executives, showed highly differing views based on the industry the company works in. The technology sector showed the most attraction towards Bitcoin, with 50% of respondents from the industry anticipating holding the cryptocurrency in the future, with no difference based on the organization's size, although the majority of those surveyed, 84%, stated that their main concerns about investing revolves around financial risk that comes from Bitcoin's high volatility. It also appears many are adopting a wait-and-see approach as the landscape develops. More than 70% stated that one of the top things they want to know is what others are doing with Bitcoin. Almost the same number want to hear more from regulators on the matter to aid in their understanding on the inherent risks of holding the digital asset. Well, you should have gone to Michael Saylor's conference because he made that freely available and you guys didn't take part of it. So you guys are still fucking ignorant have fun remaining your company's CFO if you can't even take the time to spend a few hours with Michael Saylor and figure out how he did it how responsible is that for a CFO you got to play you, you got the guy that that wrote the damn playbook he's offering it for free and you can't go to the fucking thing spend a few hours to figure out where your position should probably be that's not a responsible CFO guys it's just it's just not Gartner Chief of Research Alexander Bant noted that, quote, finance leaders who are tasked with ensuring financial stability are not prone to making speculative leaps into unknown territory, it's important to remember this is a nascent phenomenon in the, in the long timeline of corporate assets. Finance, finance leaders who are tasked with ensuring financial stability are not prone to making speculative leaps into unknown territory. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's uh, Alexander Bant talking there. Other concerns expressed including board risk aversion, 39%, slow adoption as an accepted form of payment or exchange, 38%, lack of understanding, which is 30%, cyber risks, and complex accounting treatment weighed in at only 18%. Honestly, that would be my number one. The complex accounting treatment of how you handle Bitcoin should be number one and not risk aversion or is it going to be a payment or do you have a lack of understanding? Because all that shit is solved if you can solve the complex accounting treatment. That should have been number one. And again... These guys are CFOs of huge companies and they literally think of the accounting as the least important of this deal. Think about that. While it's difficult to draw statistically significant results from such a small sample size, it is worth noting how increased corporate investment would impact Bitcoin in the second half of 2020. Companies outside of the financial and utility sectors in the S&P Global held approximately $2 trillion in cash reserve This is currently more than double Bitcoin's current market cap, and as such, there's plenty of money available to flow into Bitcoin. Technology sector alone could have at least $640 billion to invest, though most companies so far have allocated only a small percentage of Bitcoin. Uh, Investment firm ARK Invest suggested earlier this month that if all S&P 500 companies were to allocate 1% of their cash... Uh, the digital assets price, uh, bitcoins, which is the digital assets price, would be in, would have increased roughly forty thousand dollars, driving the price to just shy of ninety thousand dollars a coin. Sh- should the corporate investments rise to ten percent of cash reserves? ARK claims Bitcoin will increase by, uh, by $400,000. The study represents a stark increase of awareness from Gartner's 2018 survey in which only 66% of CIOs even knew about blockchain technology. Okay, so what does this mean? Maybe they're not so stupid as we think. Maybe the stupid ones were the 5% that telegraphed to the market what their intentions are. Because, you know, I, I'm I'm just saying, man, if they set it on a survey, which hopefully is anonymous, uh, they're still probably, you know, could be a little bit loose lipped about it. And if they start talking about it and the market finds out exactly who, it's easy to find out exactly how much they're thinking about or or they can play with. So maybe the maybe the 95% who said they weren't going to are just doing it because they they are like zippy lippy, man. They don't want to tell nobody nothing. God knows I wouldn't. Okay, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. I'm going to go ahead and just close this out here. Uh, it's cold. I got cold people in the house. I got to get to them. Uh, with all that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett.